We'd like to give a big thanks to our partners over at White Rock Decoys. Be a nomad and get out further with more decoys with their lightweight system of windsocks, silhouettes, and fully collapsible floater decoys. Use subscription code DuckGunPod at checkout to get 10% off on White Rock Decoys and products. Hey guys, I'm Jordan Fromer. I believe in hunting hard, hunting smart, and having a fun time while doing it. And shooting limits? Well, that's just the icing on the cake. I revel in the journey just as much as the successes it brings. From ducks to dogs to decoys and guns, we'll be talking tactics, strategies, and what it takes to get the job done. Load up and take aim. This is the Duck Gun Podcast. What's going on, folks? And welcome to another episode of the Duck Gun Podcast. On today's episode, we're joined by Jake, and I'm not going to try to say his last name. As you can see from the podcast, I messed it up multiple times. But anyways... Elliot's not here tonight. He had prior engagements that he couldn't he couldn't skip out on. So just me holding down the fort. And like I said, guest for tonight is Jake. And he is a professional wildlife, wildlife photographer and filmer. And if you haven't checked out his YouTube, which I'll have all this stuff linked down in the show notes so you can check it out, then be sure to do. He is the best of the best. And we go over all that kind of stuff and waterfowl hunting and much more. So let's jump right into the podcast. What's going on, guys? I'm Jordan from Duck Gun Chronicles, and I got my guest with me, Jake Landris. <laughs> Probably said the name wrong, even though you told me how to say it, but thanks for joining me tonight. Yeah, thanks for having me, Jordan. It's if, For those of you that uh, want to know, it's Latondris. <laughs> Not one of those easy names to remember like Smith or Jones. <laughs> yep. <laughs> so, anyways, uh, so what, what have you been up to this summer? Well... Today's been a really busy day. I've had, uh, this is my fifth podcast. Oh, there's my son. <laughs> Step out of the way, Walker. Sorry, yeah. buddy. Still um, on the show. Yeah, today, this is my, yeah, this is my fifth podcast for the day. We started out with a big podcast, uh, that we do live and had some big guests and then, man, it just continued to perpetuate itself. So <laughs> it's been a busy day. Other than that, I've been traveling, you know, doing some duck hunting internationally, uh, some filmmaking with uh, Ramsey Russell from GetDucks.com. Um, so that's kept me busy pretty much all summer with some uh, some international trips. Awesome. Yeah, I'm a little bit uh, jealous that you were able to get out there duck hunting already. And was it Australia or is that where you went? Yeah, we went to Australia a couple months ago. And then just several weeks ago, we were in Argentina. Um, I had never been to either one of those countries to duck hunt. So that was definitely an eye opening and learning experience for me and made some new friends and uh, definitely saw some wild and crazy duck hunting down there. <laughs> awesome. Awesome. Yeah. So f- five podcasts for the day. I mean, that's a, that's a pretty crazy schedule right there. <laughs> it is. And you know, uh, the first podcast was with, with Ted Nugent and Dr. James Kroll. And then I did one with Will Primos right after that. And then I did two back to back with Ryan Bassham from Sitka gear. Um, and now here I am with you. So, uh, yeah, <laughs> that's Seems a busy like a podcast. Uh, kind of day. Yeah. That's a busy day. So uh, was the, I didn't know Sitka had a podcast. What's, what's their podcast called? They don't Yeah, Uh, that's from duck 
and and yeah, and Ryan Bassham was our special guest today, and I was co-hosting the show with Rocky. So <laughs> look hey, at myself. Cool. Gotcha. Yeah. So is that yeah. the end of the line podcast? Is that what? Or... Yeah, it's end of the line, but that's that's uh, this portion of the end of the line uh, podcast is called the climb. And it's, you know, it's a series of, of life history um, stories about people that have uh, been through adversity and, and uh, you know, faced some harsh times in life and, and how they use duck hunting to really save their lives. Hey, Walker, hold on. I'm so sorry. <laughs> that's okay. That's okay. Can you, can you go upstairs, please? Please? Can you go sit on the beanbag? <laughs> <laughs> I didn't realize that was going to happen. Let me text my wife. <laughs> No, that's fine. Yeah, I actually didn't know he had another podcast. That's pretty cool. Yeah, but under the same, it's under the same, you know, name and, and all that. It's just a different direction. There's one that's got a little more humor involved, and then the one we do has got a more serious life life story behind it. Cool, cool. Yeah. So I've been uh, doing a little bit of dog training, trying to get my, uh, you know, duck depression underhand and getting the decoys ready and. Uh, do you guys have early till season where you hunt? Yeah, we do. We do. I'm, I don't, I haven't honestly teal hunted in quite a long time. I'm usually busy. Um, and, and, you know, late in August and September, typically I'm filming sheep hunts. In fact, I just got back a few days ago from the Yukon, uh, where I filmed a, a stone sheep hunt. So I, you know, most every year I, I miss, I miss the, early teal season due to something like that mm. yeah that's uh you, i guess you do a lot of uh traveling and <laughs> yeah that's tough those... that's one of the that's one of the tougher things in my you know my career is having to juggle um travel time and three children at home and you know my, my i'm very blessed to have a wife that's willing to support what i do and and take care of the children while i'm gone and hold the fort down and I had one night uh, as Mr. Mom doing a solo parent thing yesterday, and I had three kids at home, and it was very, very difficult, and it made me appreciate my wife that much more. <laughs> yeah, I can understand the sentiment on that. Uh, I, I actually have yeah. my uh, f first child this year, and um, you know, my wife works on the weekends a lot, and watching the kid by myself, I'm like, man, <laughs> gives me uh, some more respect for uh, what my parents went through with us kids. So <laughs> no question about it. I think, I think being a mom is probably the toughest job on the planet, no matter where you are. <laughs> yep. You're on that. So uh, I guess right now is probably good enough time. So I need to jump into the lightning round. Um, usually if you guys are uh, a normal listener, we've been doing this at the end and actually we, we switched to this or that, but this is kind of going to be a combination of the two today. Um, so yeah, we're going to do it right now. So let's jump into it. All right. What's your, uh, what's your favorite, uh, waterfowl species done ducks or geese? Ducks. All right. Greenheads uh, specifically. <laughs> Greenheads. <laughs> yep. Uh, and what's your home state for waterfowl? Uh, well, I was born and raised in Tennessee, but my home state for the last 27 years has been Colorado. But most <laughs> of my duck hunting occurs on the Platte River in Nebraska, in western Nebraska. Mm. So uh, which which state is your favorite to hunt then? 
Arkansas. <laughs> <laughs> it's all that's all over the place. So uh, I, I love Arkansas and I love I love small river hunting in, in Nebraska and Colorado. For awesome. sure. And uh, what brand ammo do you shoot? Winchester. Winchester Super X? Winchester Super X. <laughs> right on. Uh, what uh, what what uh, gun do you shoot? Uh, I've been shooting the Winchester Super X2 for many, many years, and I just got myself a Super X4 this year. So it's brand new. Uh, put it together with my son on a little video uh, the other day. So anyhow, that's I'm looking forward to shooting that gun. It's lighter and and apparently faster. <laughs> awesome. And uh, this kind of goes for uh, kind of a this or that. So I know you hunt and you film. So do you prefer to be the cameraman or the hunter? Anymore, I prefer to be the cameraman uh, because <laughs> I feel like I'm on the hunt. You know, I, I, I've killed enough animals in my life that that doesn't really bother me anymore and being able to capture a moment with my camera either st in still photography or video is it means a lot to me awesome and uh going going on that camera line again uh do you prefer to shoot with well i know you, i know what you shoot with so i guess this might not fall in that category but a, a dslr or the, the prosumer type cameras yeah i shoot a red i, I have two red dragons that i shoot with and no question about it from a video perspective. Those are the, the cameras that I prefer to shoot, but they're not always practical and applicable to what I do. So, you know, when, when I have to adjust to a DSLR, then, then I do that. Okay. So the, the reds, I guess, are they, they're in a class of their own, aren't they? So they're not considered DSLRs, but they'd be more comparable to a DSLR than the, the yeah. prosumers. Yeah, they're, I think, they're, I mean, they're a, it's a, it's a block camera. It's a cinema, it, you know, they were developed mm -hmm. for cinema and they shoot raw imaging. So it is in a class by itself. The red uh, brand is, but they do, you know, cam a camera's a camera, you know, they've all got shutter speed, iris, um, white balance and, and uh, frame rates. So, you know, they're interchangeable lens systems. So, you know, if you know how to run a DSLR, then you can run a red. Cool, cool. And uh, on on that same note, what's your favorite lens? Ooh, that's a great question. I have two. <laughs> I have one wide and one tight. My favorite big tight lens is a 600 millimeter f4 that I shoot. Uh, that's it's a Canon brand. And then I also like the. Um, I have a, a 14 millimeter super wide one f 1.8 that I like to shoot as well because it gives me that big wide epic look. Mm, you said how many millimeters did you say? 14 millimeters. Oh wow. <laughs> uh I my yeah, my favorite actually is the the Nifty 50. So I don't know how that that would compare to a 14 millimeter because mm. that's getting some pretty uh shallow depth well, of field. Yeah, I shoot a, a 50 millimeter 1.2 and that thing is super fast. And I mean, you can get, I forgot about that until you mentioned the 50 mil, <laughs> but that's another one of my favorite lenses and I never leave home without it. it. It just gives you, you know, some great soft depth of field and, um, and some good detail and the color and, and, uh, you know, the, the quality of the glass is, is pretty awesome. Awesome. Uh, this kind of goes on to some some topics that we've been kind of have have continued on the podcast from podcast to podcast. But 
Uh, one debo- debate we've been having, um, or a couple, actually all these are debates we've been having in our uh, Facebook group, but uh, do you shoot a full choke or a modified? Which one do you prefer? I shoot a modified. Yeah, because I, you know, we sometimes we hunt tight quarters. Sometimes I shoot an improved cylinder because we hunt tight quarters, and I like to get them close. Now, you know, I carry a full choke with me, <laughs> and if things get if things if we have to if we have to get nasty, then then I'm not afraid to do that either. But I, yeah, I prefer I prefer a modified or an improved cylinder. All righty, and this uh this might be a little bit of a different one since you say you don't till hunt much, but uh um. When you till hunt, do you prefer using till decoys, or the other the other alternative um, is using hen mallard decoys? No, I prefer till. You know, there's so many. All the decoy manufacturers now make species specific decoys to match, you know, your target species. So, you know, I mean, to me, it just makes sense to go out. There. It looks it, if it, even if it doesn't help, it looks better. <laughs> All righty, and then uh, last one. What's your bucket list duck? Oh, probably a sprig with a band. <laughs> uh, yeah, a pintail drake with with a leg band. I've never killed one go. of those, and that's definitely on my bucket list. You've never killed one, or you've never killed one with a band? <laughs> I've never killed one with a band. Okay. <laughs> Lots of pintails, but never one with a band. Nice. I, I've never killed a pintail. That's on my bucket list, but uh, we don't we don't get them in northern Indiana. I mean, we do. That's a lie. We get them, but it's just like um, you don't have very many opportunities. Like we'll see a few a year, but whether you get them to decoy in is another story. So, <laughs> sure. Yeah, we uh, we went to Oklahoma last year, and I didn't realize how many pintails were there. But man, we killed we killed a lot of pintails in Oklahoma. See, I think the place I see them the most, like as far as like uh, not like personally, but. <laughs> Uh, I think they got a lot out in the West, like towards California. It seems like everybody oh. in California is just getting Oh, the Sacramento Valley is loaded, loaded with pintails. That's I was right. out there last year doing a documentary on a, a kid photographer out there, and he took me out to the Sacramento Valley refuge system. And, man, I mean, the photo opportunities for, for fully plumed pintails in the late season was incredible. Lots, I mean, thousands of them. Awesome. <laughs> so, uh, yeah, I guess let's let's go ahead and jump into the main topic. But before that, we do that, if you guys are just joining us now, I'm Jordan from Duck Gun Chronicles. Got my host. We'll try this again, Jake Latondras. Latondras. Got it. <laughs> uh, from Jake Latondras Media. Dang it, messed it up a second time. And the outdoor cameraman experience. Um. So yeah. Um, go ahead and let us know a little bit about us and, you know, correct any mistakes I just said in your name or, <laughs> and, uh, yeah, let's go from there. Yeah, Jake, I'm Jake Latondras. Um, I'm a filmmaker in the outdoor industry. I've been, been, uh, at this for, uh, 17 years now as a filmmaker, 22 years as a still photographer. And, uh, I've, I started out with the wild outdoors many, many years ago and, and the following year in 2003, I hooked up with Jim Ronquist um, and got a job with RNT and I've been filming with RNT ever since, every season. Um, haven't missed a beat. Jimbo is one of my best friends. Um, and now I have my own established uh, uh, film production company called Latondris Media, um, probably better known as Latondris Media Collective. 
and I have a, a business partner named Jesse Lorenzo. She lives in Pennsylvania, and we run a podcast now called the Outdoor Cameraman Experience. So we try to, on that podcast, we try to stick to, you know, photography and filmmaking ideas. We talk to directors, producers, other photographers and filmmakers around the country and relate it to the outdoors and the experiences that we all have because, you know, one of the, I think one of the, uh, one of the motivations behind it was that we get so many questions on our social media platforms asking about which camera to buy and how to do this and how to do that. What lens should we get that we just started a podcast so that we could help inform people on a more, uh, on a more, uh, liquid, maybe, uh, what's, what's the term I'm looking for on, on a, on a video, on a video platform. Awesome. So, uh, kind of jumping back from that, um, I guess let's, how, how did you get introduced in, into the outdoors? You know, is it like a family tradition introduced from a young age? Yeah. So my dad started taking me hunting when I was three years old. Uh, I still have, in fact, as many hunts as I've been on with my dad, who's now deceased. Um, I have one photo that I have from all the memories that we have hunting that still stands out. And, and, you know, if you go to my social media platform, you can see it. I typically post it at least once a year, but anyhow, he started me out when I was three years old. Um, we were, uh, I grew up duck hunting in the Camden bottoms. You know, my first hunt was a squirrel hunt and I progressed into it. Just like a lot of people went from squirrels to ducks or to doves, to ducks, to big game and deer. And really the first hunt that I ever went on, I was only three years old and believe it or not, I remember parts of that day. And I just remember being so overwhelmingly, um, sucked into the, 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 the game of hunting and the heritage and the way my dad taught me to hunt that, you know, it just became the most passionate thing in my life, just like yours and, and everyone else's watching, hopefully. Awesome. Yeah, that's a, that's a definitely a, a cool story. So from that un, young age, were you just always an avid hunter, like through your youth until you got into the media side of it? Yeah, I've never stopped. I mean, I've always, it's always really been the most important thing in my life. I mean, I have a wife and children now, but you know, I remember looking back when I was younger, when I first started shooting photos, I remember thinking, man, I got to figure out a way to to do this for a living so that when I get married, my wife can't complain about what I do. Cause it's, <laughs> it's part of my living and how, I, how, I, how I support my family. And now that I have three children and a very devoted wife, you know, it, it is, it is, it's a huge part of my, uh, it, it is my, it, it's my life now. So, um, yeah, it's, 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 it's been, it, it's always been a part of my life and probably always will be. Awesome. So uh, this is a waterfowl podcast, but, we won't hold it against you on this answer. Um, do you have one type of, uh, you know, hunt that is, you know, stands above the rest as far as, um, when you go, whatever you, you seek to do or. Yeah, I think, I mean, honestly, I think, uh, filming flooded, uh, timber hunts in Arkansas is probably the cream of the crop. I mean, it is, it's not always on. When it is, it's something remarkable that happens. Not everyone gets to witness it. And, you know, whether it's five ducks that come into a tight hole in the timber or 3,000 ducks that land in your decoys in the timber, 
you know, there's something really special about every one. And as I look back on my career and think about the big, the big groups that we had, you know, in the decoys and flooded timber and tight holes and, and truly flooded timber, green timber in Arkansas, I can remember almost every one of them. And if I can't name them, if someone brings it up, I remember exactly what happened even from 15, 16, 17 years ago. So there's no question that while I love to film all kinds of things and, you know, would have a difficult time if someone held a gun to my head and said, this is the last thing you can ever film, what would that be? I can honestly say that I, I, I truly look forward to, to filming mallard hunts in, in the flooded timber. And, and again, you know, let me say this, that, that um, duck hunting is where I cut my teeth. I've always been, even though, you know, I deer, I deer hunt, I sheep hunt, I hunt all over the world duck hunting is there's something about it that keeps pulling me back in and even as a kid i remember taking you know dead duck heads to class for show and tell keeping a freezer you know some of the shelves in my parents freezer deep freezer at home full of of duck heads and duck <laughs> wings and feet just because i wanted to go and and look at the how beautiful they were so i don't yeah, know it's, if it's uh, a big part of my life. i don't know if that passed for show and tell anymore but uh <laughs> No. <laughs> yeah, no. And I've thought about that actually a lot, but I remember one time taking a teal, uh, to a class and it was in a Ziploc bag. By the end of the day, I'd shown it to so many people out on the playground. This was in kindergarten. <laughs> and by the end of the day, it had ants all over it. My teacher was trying to get me to throw it away and I was so mad and I was so hurt. Um, and I, I got my, I got my way. <laughs> Nice. So kind of going back to the Arkansas, <laughs> I hear so many people say that the flooded tim timber in Arkansas is awesome, and I'm going to have to definitely get out there at some point. Um, but going back to the role models, um, for me, my role model for hunting has always been my grandpa. Um, and, you know, I'm very th thankful for my, my dad taking me out fishing and camping when I was a kid. But for you, you, you said your father's was your role model in the outdoors. Do you have any other role models alongside of that from your youth? Yeah, I think, you know, I think, I mean, my hunting is, was a heritage in my family. It still is. I mean, I'm teaching my, I'm my boys four years old now and, you know, I'm starting to tap into that with him, but going back to my childhood, man, you know, my grandfather hunted, my great grandfather hunted, all my uncles hunted, my, my, my aunt Mary hunted, you know, it was just part of our lives and the way we lived and I didn't know any difference. Um, and so all those people, my grandfather, my uncle Harold, my uncle Don, you know, of course, my dad were my heroes. And then there were some people within our duck hunting community, um, you know, that were standouts and, and talented duck callers or, you know, they had the big bad boat when I was a kid or they had the big bad <laughs> truck. So there were definitely locals from my area in West Tennessee that I looked up to and, and still do today. Awesome. That, uh, from, from what I know of Tennessee, my wife being from there, that definitely sounds like Tennessee. So, <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah, definitely. I saw that, uh, I wanted to bring that up too. I saw that the video you made with your, your kid, um, your son with the gun, that's a pretty cool video. So you want to talk about that a little bit? Yeah. You know, I, I really am sort of re, you know, reliving history with my son based on how my dad did things for me because looking into my life knowing how much I love to hunt and how much trouble it kept me out of because probably like yourself and so many others that do hunt 
you know, you get consumed with it and, you know, you're going to go out duck hunt on weekends and it keeps, well, you know, we weren't perfect. (laughs) We're boys, boys will be boys (laughs) hunting, you know, gave us something to do, gave us something to focus on, gave us something to try to be good at and all those things. So I really want to transcend that into my son. And while we see these duck hunting, duck hunter numbers go down, particularly in federal waterfowl stamp sales, I don't want to be the the cause of that. I want my son to have every opportunity to decide whether he's going to be a hunter or not. I'm going to make sure that he enjoys it when he's young so that there's some persuasion and influence there as he grows older. So that video was really meant for me, not so much to get out on social media and publicize it, although you know, it got some attention and, and I'm very proud of it. What was most important to me was that, you know, 25 years from now, my son can go back and watch that video, understand where he came from and understand what my purpose was in, in developing that video. And hopefully he appreciates it one day and holds on to it uh, close to his heart. Awesome. Yeah. That's definitely something that I, I've been thinking about a lot, you know, with getting the younger generation. Like I said, I have my first kid nowhere near hunting age. Um, you know, my daughter, and then I have, uh, uh, you know, some nephews that, um, you know, they're older, but still, um, you know, just kind of gets you thinking about the age and how to kind of introduce them to that. And I I plan to bring my nephew along with me, uh, to sit in the blind this year, obviously he's four years old, so he won't be shooting anything, but, uh, (laughs) you know, you just kind of think about like, you know, when, when will they be able to get into hunting and, you know, the excitement for them and for yourself. You know, to be honest with you, when when my son was uh, an infant, you know, I used to when I'd rock him to sleep in the in the uh, in the glider chair, I'd have my phone on and I'd have turkey hunting videos that I would show him <laughs> because he was really stimulated. For some reason, I showed him all kinds of hunting videos, and I always picked the ones that were clean and you know weren't loud and obnoxious and all that. They had some sort of aesthetic value to them from a visual perspective, and he locked in on these turkey hunts and so there was a a period of time when he was even younger than one years old on into up to when he was two years old that we watched turkey hunting videos to put him to sleep at night and he (laughs) he loved them i mean he would he would choose you know he would say when he could start talking you know turkey hunting videos and things like that so (laughs) you know those are the things that i did and and i i'm under the you know the theory that they're never too young to start they don't have to shoot a gun until they're much older and responsible but if you can get them started visually then i mean you've got all that stuff in the background in your room that's stimulant and they're going to ask questions every time my son comes down into my studio he's he wants to talk about these deer or the skull, you know, the skull behind my head or something. And I think that's all part of that process. Awesome. Yeah, I definitely agree with that. So kind of moving on to the, the um, period in your life where you move from beyond from just the hunter to being a filmmaker. So how'd you know, or how, how did that transition come about? Well, I, you know, uh, years ago when I first moved to Colorado, I was a, I was a rock climber and an ice climber and I was getting into alpine climbing, which is climbing at high altitudes at a, you know, at a, at a high speed and, and efficiency rate. And so I started taking a camera with me because one of my mentors, a, a world-class climber, 
he was taking pictures and he was working uh, as an ambassador for Patagonia at the time, the apparel company. So, you know, I would go along on these trips and we, we go climbing uh, in, in different places and I started taking photos and then he would submit those to different publications for me. And one, uh, one particular year, I think it was 1998, um, I was in Alaska climbing a mountain next to Mount McKinley or Denali called Mount Foraker. And I happened to snap a few shots as we were crossing the Cahilton Glacier to go back to the landing strip where we were going to catch our, our uh, and when I got back, I saw these, this was back in the color slide days, way before digital photography was even, uh, was even a concept. And I sent these slides to some different publications and lo and behold, publication on the cover of the North Face magazine and got an opportunity to start shooting adventure stills for the North Face. And I mean, I was whatever I was, 22 or 23 at the time. And I was like stoked, man, just totally, you know, caught up in the moment, really proud of myself, gave me confidence to keep, to keep going. And all the meanwhile, I'd never stopped hunting. So, man, I just started taking my camera into the hunting woods got a few photos published and then some photographers that had seen my work had contacted me and, and encouraged me more. They became my mentors. One in particular, a guy named Clay Connor, who was uh, a longtime contributing photographer for Ducks Unlimited, a photo editor for, for Ducks Unlimited. He really took me under his wing and, and offered support and some knowledge. And then, man, when I started seeing, you know, videos coming out back in the videos in the early 90s and in the early 2000s when dvds and and um, video sales in the hunting world really became prevalent like you could go to cabela's and find an entire section on on hunting dvds that really caught my attention so i bought a broadcast camera applied my still photography skills to the video world which is basically the same thing and uh, filmed a deer hunt in Nebraska, sent the tape to Jay Gregory on the wild outdoors at the time. This was 2002 and he gave, he liked the hunt. He gave me the opportunity to come onto his staff and I've been working uh, alongside Jay ever since. Awesome. So, uh, kind of, you know, from there, like, uh, I guess maybe that's even a step back, but, uh, what kind of gave you the desire to film, you know? Or I guess maybe a better way of stating it, like what what is your goal in filming? You know, when you when you're filming a hunt, I mean, obviously it's telling a story, but you know, kind of along those lines. Yeah, I think there's two. There's a two part question. The first question was valid. You know, I think I've always been into art. I've, I've I draw and I paint a lot. I don't expose that very much for whatever reason, but I think that's why I got into photography, and even going back to the Camden Bottoms, my best friend that I grew up hunting with named John Wardlaw, excuse me, he, uh, he took pictures, like he had a little point and shoot uh, camera, and then he bought a Pentax DSLR film camera. I remember looking through his photos one time going, this is brilliant. You're taking pictures of every hunt that we go on, and now here it is three or four years later, and we've got all these really cool photos. I'm going to go get a camera. That's really what inspired me to to go buy a camera, and then I just sort of transcended my my you know ability to compose 
something on paper like drawing or painting and turn it into a photograph and it really just kind of caught on from there and my goal now is to tell a story i'm i feel like you know after 18 years of filmmaking my job and my passion is to tell a story be it about a dog a person an event you know a, a location every my, my motto is everyone has a story and so every time i pick up my camera whether i'm going to shoot a still or shoot a video uh, some video footage or a video clip. My goal is to tell a story with every frame that I shoot. Definitely can, uh, can get on board with that. Uh, you know, one thing that kind of made me think of, uh, you know, talking about those old photographs, um, definitely before the, the era of Instagram and social media, um, my grandpa, <clears throat> he was a big time upland game hunter and these are actually his mounts. And, uh, you know, he'd, he'd go with one of his buddies. I can't remember the name and they'd, um, he was from southern Indiana, but they would, you know, travel the, the country uh, going for pheasant. And uh, one of his buddies would take a lot of photos, and he'd always, you know, kind of give him a hard time. Ah, this guy always wants to, like, take the photos and, <laughs> you know, the set up, set up the, the birds to make them look nice and holding them and getting pictures with the dogs. But, you know, um, you know, after after the fact, you know, being able to go back and look at those pictures and, and, you know, I didn't get to go on those hunts with my grandpa. You know, any hunt that I went on with him was kind of local because I was a lot younger. Um, but, you know, they're pri priceless and you do kind of like search for that story. You're, you're looking through them. And, exactly. And you see like the, the loads of pheasants. And, you know, my grandpa had uh, four English pointers at a time. And, you know, seeing him with his dogs. And I, I named my dog Chief. He's a Labrador um, after oh. my, my grandpa's pointer, um, Chief. And so, yeah, like you said, it's just the stories you can tell through photos are just amazing and, you know, timeless. That's what it's all about. You know, at the end of the day, you can throw the sponsorships out the window and the paychecks out the window and you still have this these memories that that'll, you know, that are captured forever. And that's what it's all about. And, you know, for young filmmakers out there, even photographers, you know, if you can tell a story with your camera, then you become a value to someone and there's a there's a niche and a market for that especially with all the digital platforming and social media platforming going on today yep and then um you know along those lines uh <laughs> something that I, i've kind of stole from ben potter that he said when he was on the podcast um he said that he wants to do duck hunting justice and i just love that and <laughs> i don't know if i can coin the phrase now that he said it but <laughs> Um, just with, you know, all the, the film, the films or, you know, mine are exactly films like yours are, but, uh, or photographs that I take. Cause you know, there's just such a visual, visual, um, appeal to duck hunting, you know, like you said, green heads, they look awesome. And just being out in the marsh or the flooded timber, which I've never experienced, but you know, just through that, it's awesome to try to, you know, tell the story and do duck hunting justice and do it justice for the people that don't get to be out there, you know, or if you're looking at it yourself after season, somebody else's photos and you're like, you know, duck hunting's awesome. So, <laughs> yeah, you know, Ben, Ben's a friend of mine. He's a really great guy. He's one of the best filmmakers in the industry. And I, you know, I could not have said that better myself to, 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 to have your goal as a filmmaker to be give duck hunting justice 
is very profound because that's exactly what it is. You're trying to, you're trying to, you know, you're trying to portray exactly what happens because we get all these exhilarating, you know, moments and, and all this adrenaline, this rush that comes about us when these things happen. And most people don't understand what that's like because they haven't experienced that themselves or they can only go hunting one or two or three or four times a year. And, 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 and the odds, you know, the law of averages will tell you that something big isn't going to happen, you know, when you hunt so infrequently. So people live vicariously through photos and video edits or video videos or raw video or whatever it is. And I think that is, that's very true. And it's very profound what Ben said. I agree. (laughs) Um, so kind of, we got kind of how you got into hunting and your, your kind of journey into filmmaking covered. So what do you got going on now? Well, I'm just, you know, I'm just trying to do bigger and better things. I think like, you know, film is my trophy. And if, if, you know, when I do something that's, that's fun or it turns out what I think is good, then, you know, my next project, I want it to be bigger and better. So, you know, I think that's my goal. That's what I'm doing now. I'm working on a, a series, a video series with Ramsey Russell at getducks.com. And what he has is an international um, waterfowl hunting agency where, you know, he books hunts for people all over the world. And, and I mean, all over the world, Pakistan, Azerbaijan, you know, Australia, New Zealand, Argentina, Mexico, all over Europe, Mongolia, all over Asia. And so what his, you know, his whole story is that he w- he survived an explosion, a propane explosion when he was 15 years old and it burned like 75% of his body he had second, third degree burns on. And he went into a, a deep abyss personally that he couldn't get out of. He was totally insecure. He didn't want people to see him. He certainly didn't want people taking pictures of him. And he just felt like, you know, people looked at him differently. And then being a duck hunter, you know, he really came back around full circle and came out of his shell as an adult. And it was really founded on his love for duck hunting. So he was able to focus on duck hunting. He started traveling all over the world to duck hunt and found a passion for it. And now, you know, what we're doing is telling his story and telling, telling people, you know, the story is why, how it saved his life and, and what those, what this world has to offer, because there's some fabulous duck hunting. I mean, in Australia, when we were there a couple months ago, you know, we hunted some flooded red gums, like it's this environment and you feel like you're in like Jurassic park, you know, there's, it's really exotic, but then you've got these Pacific black ducks, which sound and act just like mallards do coming into these flooded, uh, timber holes in Australia. And you're, you know, I'm just sitting there going, this is, I mean, it was incredible. It was an incredible experience. So, you know, that's what I'm seeking. I'm seeking bigger and better adventures and, 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 and stories that are compelling. And I like to, to implement the, the human, the human element into my films now. Awesome. So something new that, uh, we're going to start doing here on, on the show is kind of going into a deeper dive and, and kind of like how we said, um, every photo kind of has a story. So I went through your Instagram and found a, a photo that, uh, you know, I thought might need a, a little bit more detail and kind of, it goes along the lines of, um, you know, my love for, <laughs> for hunting dogs, but, um, 
I guess I'm gonna have to. I'll show it to you on this screen, and then I'm gonna. Oh yeah. Okay. So you know the photo. Yep. Yeah. So that that photo was shot in Arkansas, and I believe that was in. Let me see, 2000. It's probably around 2006, 2000, 2005, 2006. It was a photo taken by Clay Connor, the guy that I the one of my mentors in photography that I mentioned earlier, he was a, uh, a longtime senior uh, chief photographer for Ducks Unlimited. He's now the national marketing director for um, Express Boats in Hot Springs, Arkansas. And uh, that was actually in, in a rice field right next to Jim Ronquist's home. And that's my, my deceased um, and very close to my heart dog his name was tanner he was a chesapeake bay retriever he came out of the boot hill of missouri he he was the strongest uh most uh hard driven retriever i've ever had he was trained he was at a master hunter level um and i was a guide at the time on the platte river in nebraska and still shooting film for rnt as well as i was driving back and forth between nebraska and color or uh, in arkansas and uh, yeah, that's that's the story behind that that photo. It's one of my favorites because my dog Tanner was, uh, as you know, man. I mean, if if you couldn't have a retriever, if you're a duck hunter and you can't have a retriever, then that takes that takes the air out of it for me. I don't know about <laughs> you, but I mean, that's yeah, one of, that's one way. of the most special parts of it, man. Yeah, I'm definitely the same way. I, I don't know, like uh, after hunting with a dog, if I could hunt without a dog, and it's not because I'm too lazy to go get the the ducks it's because um you know half the time you really want to shoot them just so you can see your dog work oh exactly exactly <laughs> and and then they love it they love going as much as we do so yeah. it's kind of like man you know it's kind of like having a kid if you if for some reason you have to leave your dog at home because your hunting buddies are bringing their dog or you're you know swapping leads with dogs or whatever it is i mean it's like man i don't want to leave my dog at home i almost don't want to even go <laughs> Oh, yeah, I hear you on that. Um, so if you guys have any any um, questions, go ahead and drop them in in the comments here, and we'll get to them. Uh, but and for those that were listening, the photo uh, was Jake with some mallards and his dog a Chesapeake Bay, looking pretty epic in a rice field. So um, if you want to check that out, you can see that photo at Jake Land Landreth. Latondres, yeah, Jake, Jake Laton, Jake underscore Latondres. That's okay, man. I was thirteen before I could spell it. <laughs> and it'll be actually it's linked in the description. His Instagram's linked in the description, and it'll be in the show notes for the podcast too. So that'll make it easy. You won't have to try to spell it when I can't even say go. it right. So yeah, uh, someone asked, "What kind of duck spread do you hunt with, Jake?" Oh, I guess it depends on uh, depends on the location and what's going on. Uh, the two places I hunt the most, which would be the the Platte, North Platte River in western Nebraska, we tend to hunt with larger spreads. Um, we use we use tangle free decoys, um, and uh, then in in Arkansas, you know, we we tend to use smaller smaller spreads. We may go into the woods with a half a dozen decoys. We may even go in with two or three decoys. But we always carry, you know, we always have a jerk jerk string or jerk cord with us uh, on a bungee system. 
which I've always felt like is probably the most important tool that a guy can have, particularly when it's calm, um, you know, regardless of where you're hunting. Do you go jerk strig over uh well, jerk rig over um a mojo? I do. I mean, if I can get away without a mojo or a spinner, then that's what I'm doing. I would I would much prefer to hunt ducks over a, a, a jerk rig than a than a spinner for sure. Awesome. And Michael says, Jake, you will succeed. You can tell by your drive, passion for the sport. <laughs> well, thank you, Michael. I appreciate that. <laughs> uh, somewhere in Wisconsin, uh, when does your till season open? Ugh. I think early, like, like September 8th or something like that. All right. Well... Thanks for coming on. I really appreciate it, man. Let everyone know where they can find you. Facebook, Instagram, um, YouTube, all the above. Yeah, this is kind of long-winded. So I've got my Facebook page. I've got two Facebook pages, uh, Jake Latondris, which is my personal page. But I do a lot of my film and photography work on there. And then I've got uh, my business page that Jess DiLorenzo and I run. It's called Latondris Media Collective on Facebook. And then you can find us on Instagram, um, Jake underscore Latondris um, at outdoor or underscore cameraman and then at Latondris Media Collective. And then I've got two YouTube channels, Latondris Media Collective and Outdoor Cameraman Experience. So, um, yeah, so that's those are all my platforms. And if you want to come check us out, then please come subscribe. Awesome. And before we head off, if you could give everyone one video, your favorite video or film um, that they could watch to kind of see your stuff, what would it be? <laughs> Probably uh, it's kind of outdated now in terms of my edit skills, but the one video that really changed my life was one that I call Frank the Tank. And I was filming uh, a guy up on Kodiak Island in Alaska we were predator calling uh, uh, Kodiak brown bears and it was an 11 day hunt. It was a struggle. And on the last day, our, our outfitter, Sam Fegis called in the third largest brown bear ever taken with a bow and arrow. And the hunter shot it at seven yards and <laughs> the footage, I shot it with a 400 millimeter zoom lens. That particular video changed my life because it went viral and then things bigger things just started happening in the big game world awesome you can All check right. that out on on my youtube channel latondris media collective go check it out sweet deal yes i think i saw the photo for from that on your instagram so i'll definitely be checking that out as well so thanks again everybody for joining us on the live stream and thanks jake for coming on appreciate your time and uh, all your information and that's all we got for tonight guys we'll see you guys next time thanks jordan see ya and that's a wrap folks thanks again for joining us on another episode we really appreciate you guys showing up week in and week out um as, as i say every week it's you know the, it's all about you guys and we couldn't have this awesome podcast and awesome community without you guys <coughs> get me all choked up anyways if you guys could do us a huge favor and drop us a review, you know, share this podcast with a friend and it would help us out a ton. Duck season's coming up early till. We're stoked. Hope you guys are stoked. 
Next week, we got Gator Waiters coming on the show. So stay tuned for that, and we'll see you guys then. Let's go.